Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and Pastor Adam Osier continue their discussion on the Augsburg Confession, looking at Article 17, The Return of Christ and Judgment. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary. Whatever your vocation is, start here, go anywhere, grounded in God's Word. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. Pastor Adam Osier. All right, this is, this is the uh, group of episodes that we've been waiting for a long time. This is... Not uh, really. But. Well, well, for me, this is one of my yeah. favorite topics in all of Scripture. I, uh, <laughs> I say with no tongue-in-cheek whatsoever, I tell people, people ask me, what's your favorite book in the Bible? I say the book of Revelation. People look at me like, well, you really like controversy. No, it's because I think the book of Revelation has the clearest picture of Christ mm-hmm. from beginning to end. Uh, in all of Scripture. I thought you were going to say it's because you like judgment. I do. I am judgy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I, yes. I also like when Jesus insults the church. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, but it's, uh, you know, kind of the theme of wherever we're at. We're going to be talking about some really fun and really controversial things yep. in these four episodes. But where the church goes off base when it goes off base is that we somehow treat the book of Revelation, we somehow teach times, the doctrine of the end times, yep. eschatology, as if it is completely divorced from the rest of Scripture and the rest of theology and delivering Jesus Christ. The point of eschatology, just as the point of Christology and soteriology and ecclesiology and all the other ologies in systematic theology, is to deliver Christ crucified. And uh, what ends up happening with the systems that are off base entirely is that we obsess about the nation of Israel or we obsess Mm -hmm. about current events to the detriment of the confession of Jesus Christ. And I think what we end up doing when we do that is that we are looking at the, we like kind of the secret or hidden things. And Mm -hmm. we're we're always seeking after that secret or hidden knowledge kind of idea and, and in reality, eschatology is meant to be clear in the sense of Christ returning, just like yeah, this revelation. Yeah, <laughs> it's it to be revealed. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea of of Christ returning for judgment is mm-hmm. a very clear teaching of Scripture and one that fully completes the picture of of the salvation. Yeah, if there's any section of biblical teaching that appeals to the inner Gnostic in all of us, it's this, right? You, uh, this, this will challenge on the surface level your understanding of the clarity of Scripture. Mm-hmm. There are parts of... I prefer to say perspicuity. Perspicuity, yes, yeah. yeah. I, I thought Adam was going to be the one that went right. there, and you went there this time, yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there are parts of eschatology that are hard to understand yeah. because there are still parts of it that are predictive, that, right. that the, the coming of Christ is still in the future, and we don't have specifics about right. that. Probably, you know, similar to how, you know, before Christ came the first time, you know, they, they probably had no idea exactly how it would all play out in terms of, you know, what specifically it would look like in, in a full-form picture. Exactly. We, we know in the Old Testament that the faithful children of God had an expectation of the coming Messiah, 
And if, if you're reading scripture with eyes open, you knew the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. You knew the Messiah was going to die for your sins. But even the faithful children of God at the time of Christ needed to be taught those specifics from the Old Testament about mm-hmm. Christ. Uh, the same is true for the end end for us. We have the big ideas, but we don't have the specifics sometimes, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we, we go as far as Scripture allows us to go, and we, we willingly go to that point, but we never go farther. And we can have good reasons for believing certain mm-hmm. things based on other aspects of Scripture, but we also have to be acknowledging the fact that there are times where I could be wrong, you know, and okay, maybe I didn't have that exactly right, and we will see. We will, mm-hmm. you know, find that out at some point. Yep. All right, well, uh, I think it's time for us to read the uh, Article 17 of Augsburg Confession. And we were joking, we could almost read the Apology, too, because uh, that's, that's a, it's shorter than the actual article in the Augsburg Confession this time around. It, you know, it, it's one of those things where we are, we, we have some freedom to laugh at ourselves here yeah. and laugh at the church. How concise <laughs> the confession of this article right, is yeah. in our confessions. And yet, if you look at the amount of time the church as a whole has spent on issues, yeah. okay, Article 4 of the Apology mm-hmm. is a good 350-some paragraphs long. And the church of today, we, we, we talk about justification on Easter, and, and sometimes we get there, right? Yeah. You know, not saying that that's what we do, but the church as a whole just will not touch justification because it's not interesting anymore. We get three sentences on eschatology mm-hmm. in the Augsburg Confession. And you get a whole section of it in Barnes & Noble of you know, <laughs> yeah. Christian end times theology. And, yes. and, and Kirk Cameron's made an entire career oh. on it, and now Nicolas Cage and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins and all these things. But, you know, it, it, I think it says something about the church of today mm-hmm. where if you look at the fathers of the faith, whether, you know, they're the Lutheran confessors of the Reformation or... Mm-hmm. Or things, how much time we want to spend on a topic, and those who are in different areas not obsessing over it, that mm-hmm. we should kind of take that into account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's read the article, and then we can continue our conversation here. Uh, article 17, The Return of Christ to Judgment, says, It is also taught among us that our Lord Jesus Christ will return on the last day for judgment and will raise up all the dead to give eternal life and everlasting joy to believers and the elect, but to condemn ungodly men and the devil to hell and eternal punishment. Rejected, therefore, are the Anabaptists who teach that the devil and and condemned men will not suffer eternal pain and torment. Rejected, too, are certain Jewish opinions which are even now making an appearance and which teach that before the resurrection of the dead, saints and godly men will possess a worldly kingdom and annihilate all the godless. All right, that's Article 17. Amen. Right. Amen. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there, I think it's important for us to get started on what exactly the big picture is here. What are we yeah. confessing in this article? What is, a, what is at the level of official confession for the mm-hmm. Lutheran Church? And, and the big idea we are confessing that Christ is coming back again for judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- That's the big thing is we are expecting Christ to return. At this point, literally 
every Christian on the planet should be going, well, duh. Yeah, I was going to say, that I don't know if there's any Christian, maybe, it, that would not agree with this, but or at least the first couple of uh, yeah, points one and two in, in that. At, at various times in history, there actually would have been Christians mm-hmm. that disagree with this. There, 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 there seems to be a movement about every hundred years or so yeah. where there's a, a Christian sect that will come along saying right. we missed the rapture yeah. and we're, we're all living in Mad Max's world right now in a <laughs> post-apocalyptic you know, dystopia. But no one at any point except the people who buy into it has taken them seriously. They've never had a seat at the table. So everyone has this expectation Christ is returning. Mm -hmm. I think the big thing to talk about uh, that maybe the church is missing in all of this is that Christ returns for judgment. And and in the 20th century, now the 21st century, judgment is an entirely negative concept. Mm. It's it's entirely... uh, like it's what we think of cancel culture now is that you've been right. judged and you've been dismissed. Yeah, the term judgy. Yeah, right. We get that. You're, you're judgy, and there's never a positive connotation to that. Or, or when when a Christian preaches against sin, someone conveniently in in their Bible that has blank pages everywhere, but suddenly has Matthew seven, seven. one, mm-hmm. is, don't judge me, right? Yeah. But when Christ returns for judgment. Uh, what we need to be confessing and where we need to find our peace and comfort is that's incredibly good news for the for a mm-hmm. Christian mm-hmm. because we too are going to be judged right. and it's it's not going to be a did you do good enough works to impress Christ mm-hmm. is that moment in history when Christ returns is when you are judged mm-hmm. by Christ's robe of righteousness where Christ is judged in your place mm-hmm. just as he was at the cross and, and so the judgment at the end times for Christians is incredibly positive and incredibly desirable is God will judge you or Christ himself will judge you righteous and usher you into eternity at that point, whether it's by resurrection or whether it's by Christ's second advent. Yeah, I think of the the picture of individuals that you maybe see on the news or you've seen documentaries on or whatever who have been uh, accused of a crime that they did not commit. And when they get into the trial and they are declared not guilty... Um, the joy that takes place and in the that relief. moment, mm-hmm. and the relief, and yeah. the comfort, and the celebration—that's uh, judgment. It is judgment. It was in, in assuming it's the correct judgment that they actually did not commit the crime, uh, that they truly are judged. Right? That's the kind of joy the Christian will have. Exactly. And again, I—I I think maybe this is a byproduct of the gospel devolving into warm fuzzies. But, but we miss a couple aspects of the gospel by not thinking about eschatology because this is built in. The, the first thing we miss in the gospel is that we're judged not guilty, mm-hmm. which is correct. We are simultaneously judged righteous. Mm-hmm. And, and this is where other wings of the church, I'm not even going to pick on uh, a wing of the church by labeling it, but other wings of the church, we get forgiveness but there's always this sense that now we have to live up to redemption. The, that that it's, say, it's both just as if we've never sinned and just as if we've lived it perfectly. Yeah, exactly. And both together. And, and, and the church goes off base on sanctification as if now we have to hold up our end of the deal because Jesus gave us a second chance to get it right. No, the, the, the judgment is you are judged not guilty and righteous. Mm-hmm. It's not or, 
it's it's both together. It's a, it's a it's a double imputation is the official theological term. Christ takes all of our sin and makes it his own. Christ gives us all of his perfect righteousness and obedience to the law, and it's counted as our own. And that's you know specifically, I, I've talked several times about how I don't like proof texting, but literally, Second Corinthians five twenty one seals that deal for us. God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. It's it's like the most perfectly succinct verse in all of scripture to def- define an aspect of theology. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's happening on judgment day. Mm-hmm. The 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 other part that we're missing with with being righteous in, in this warm fuzzies of the gospel is that the gospel is being taught as if our sins don't matter. Mm-hmm. Is of God's ignoring our sins. No, that the gospel occurs within God's system of justice. And, and I, I, I used to say that 2 Corinthians 5.21 was my favorite verse in the Bible. <laughs> I'm, I'm fairly certain at this point right now my favorite verse in the Bible is Romans 3.26, hmm. which says, so that God might be both just mm-hmm. and the justifier of those who have faith in Christ. Uh-huh. And, and the good news of the Bible, the good news of the gospel and of the Bible, is that God is entirely just to forgive your sins. He remains holy. He remains perfect. He's not ignoring your sin. He's not letting a criminal walk. Mm-hmm. The debt is paid. The debt is paid. Yeah. The, the, the crime has been judged. Uh, uh, punishment has been executed. The, the, the beautiful news of the gospel, when I preach this, watching the relief on people's face, that... Your sin has been dealt with. Mm -hmm. It's not been swept under the rug. It's not been hid in a closet in the basement. Your sin has been dealt with. It's not coming back. That's the good news of the gospel. That's what eschatology is describing. Mm -hmm. I like the the picture. And I think, Brad, I think you preached Mm. on this verse um, in In one of our chapels. Yeah. Where it talks about how on the day, on the, in that last day, to stand, mm-hmm. you know, to stand firm and that, that God will yep. make us stand. And I think the the joy of the Christian on that day, when the Lord does return for judgment, is one not of cowering and, and, and the picture and revelation of, of those who are unrighteous, hiding under rocks and just praying that the, the hailstones will fall on their heads so that they don't have to face the wrath of the Lamb. But at the end of the day, the Christians standing with their faces, mm-hmm. you know, looking yep. to the sky. Waiting for their, you know, their uh, um, their justification, so to speak, to take its, mm-hmm. you know, its uh, full to to see it in its fullest yeah. sense. Well, and, and part of the 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 picture of eschatology is that what is described in Revelation and in other passages of Scripture is what we own right now. So that picture of standing, that picture being in the presence of God for eternity is the same picture that is painted in Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore then approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. That the, the eschatological reality of judgment day and eternity as a Christian is yours right now. Right. And... I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to say that that wasn't the case, but most definitely, uh, I think the the beauty of our faith becoming sight yep. is the mm-hmm. the picture yep. of the second coming. What we t- what we receive now by faith that 
presence in in the throne room, as I like to tell my students when we mm-hmm. talk about prayer, right? Take me to the throne room. That idea of going to the throne of grace with confidence, absolutely we do that, but it's by faith. Mm-hmm. But there will be a day where that is our sight. And, and that's the distinction. That's mm-hmm. what eschatology yeah. is talking about. It's the, the phrase we always use is the already, but not, not yet. yet. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the eschatology is about converting the not yet to the now. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and realizing that there is no distinction between what we have now as a Christian and what we will have in eternity as a Christian, theologically speaking. Mm-hmm. Now, now we have sin, now we have sorrow, now we have pain. Theologically, we do not. Right. You know, and exactly. And I think I, th- I like to think of it in terms of the fact that. Um, we aren't going to be any better in the sight of God when we see him face-to-face than we are right now, but we will sure feel better about it. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> you know? but, and, and, and that builds into the whole thing. I mean, that, that opens up a whole nother, even though nother isn't a word, a whole nother <laughs> can of worms. In, in this, uh, a proper eschatology and a proper understanding of the eternal aspect of our faith frees us mm-hmm. from talking about forgiveness as the absence of sin and mm-hmm. uh you know this especially happens in men's purity ministry for whatever the reason that that uh, been, having, there, been there done that got the t-shirt yeah, yeah. and it, it happens in addiction ministry too yeah. but where we start talking about victory over sin as the absence from sin but the reality, and, and this is first entirely alarming to people because they're offended by the grace, and then entirely relieving that even right now, if you were to root out a bad habit or an addiction or, or, or whatever, a, a sin, if you were to successfully root it out of your life by, by you know, willpower and discipline and prayer, you would not be any less of a sinner than you were before that. Mm-hmm. Because sin doesn't quantify itself on our souls like that. That's not how it works. And, and so when you say that, you know, what we have now and what we have eternity, the only thing we feel better about it, mm-hmm. it gives us, eschatology gives us a more complete picture of the gospel because mm-hmm. it's another layer of theology that keeps us off that sliding scale mm-hmm. that is defined by our performance. Yeah. Yeah, and the other aspect, too, I wanted to talk about in this is, you know, the judgment of the wicked for yep. eternal, you know, we, we've been talking more about, you know, our, you know, the judgment of the good for eternal life. Um, but, you know, I, I've been thinking about this lately of, you know, the culture around us, you know, with cancel culture, there's like a, a thirst for judgment. For judgment. There is. And, and but condemnation. But, yeah, and but yeah. there's no way to do that other than to just cancel people. And and I think, you know, the most charitable construction for our culture is, you know, you can find that in in this, in in Christ, uh, you know, judging the those that are wicked. Um, not in a vengeful, vengeful kind of way, but uh, in the sense of, yeah, there is going to come a day when the bad guys lose, and mm-hmm. and uh, and you find that in Christ, and, and it is in Christ. Well, and, and that's the whole point of the the psalms that pray against the enemies of God. Right, the the imprecatory. imprecatory psalms. Thank you. I was trying to find that word in my brain mm-hmm. and sur- sifting through baseball stats and <laughs> geography and things like that. Yes. But the imprecatory psalms do that, and, and like you said, not in a vengeful way, but in, in a way that confesses God is the winner, yeah. evil is the loser. Yeah. And in the end, evil loses eternally. The the interesting thing, and I came to this revelation in the last year or two 
dealing with being a pastor of a church in Minneapolis hmm. and, and, and the, the whole culture of the culture. What, what amazes me is that for the last century, what Christians have been accused of in, as being hypocritical, that we're judgmental and we, we want people who disagree with us to burn, is exactly the reality of the day right now. Mm-hmm. If, if you do not carry with you the cultural orthodoxy of the moment, you will be judged and you will be condemned to hell and that's it. There is no forgiveness. And then again, that's the difference between Christian eschatology mm-hmm. and the way of the world. That, yeah, we will be honest. Wickedness and evil and sin will be judged. But there is a way for you to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. Unless you pay, and, and maybe you might not even get the opportunity to pay the penance for committing a sin against cultural orthodoxy, there, there is no forgiveness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is no grace. There is no benefit of the doubt. And I think, I think the thing we got to remember on that too is not only is there no, you know, <clears throat> redemption or no forgiveness or whatnot. The, um, the biggest concern for me is the attitude of judgment in our culture today. There is a joy in judgment. Mm-hmm. There is a celebration when the quote-unquote evil, which sometimes it is actually evil, sometimes not so much, uh, is condemned, right? But in the eyes, theologically speaking, uh, Christologically speaking, the judgment that he comes to render is not against the wicked now, is not done in a spirit of joy and revelry, it's done in, uh, God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, right? It, mm-hmm. It's not come, and it's, the other th- thing is, is it's not something that blows around like the uh, random winds of change of the day. It's something that's very, very predictable. It's something that he's, he's not secret. It's not like he's judging us on a, on a scale that we don't know anything about. He's made it very clear in his word what this judgment is all about. And it's very clear, it's very controlled, it's very precise, and it's very metered metered out very well. Uh, I don't know if that was the right word or not. (laughs) Meted, meted. Yeah, I think, yeah, there we go. And the idea of of how he is is controlled in his judgment is something we gotta remember too. There's no there's no joy or celebration. He wants, he he wants salvation for his people. He won it, he paid for it. And he wants that. Yeah. God desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge yeah, of the truth. Right. Uh, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, mm. the righteous one. He is the propitiation for our sins and not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only yeah. son. And I, I will agree with critics of Christianity in that the gospel has not been preached well at all times. (laughs) We're trying to remedy that a little bit. Yeah, that is not the fault of the gospel, however. That is the fault of the people abusing the gospel. The reality of the situation is that God has provided a way, free of cost, for all people to be forgiven and enter into eternity in in perfect fellowship and communion with the God of the universe. Mm. It's it's only an exclusive club because of unbelief, Mm -hmm. not because of credentials. And and that's the reality of eschatology. And, 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 And I mean, eschatology is maybe the area par excellence where we can do a service in the church by talking about what we believe in 
and not talking about what we don't believe. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think that's probably a good place to end. It's always good to end with the gospel. Oh, uh, amen. Yeah, for a, a, a message or a podcast episode. So uh, come back next time. We'll continue our discussion on uh, Article 17 of Augsburg Confession. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. For the latest from the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota, visit flbc.edu. God bless you and have a great week.